Hi, and welcome to the UK Coffee Week podcast with me, Jeffrey Young. This week, we'll be celebrating the amazing UK coffee industry while raising funds and awareness for Project Waterfall, a charity which provides clean drinking water and sanitation to coffee-growing communities. And today, I'm here with Sierra Yao, licensed Q Arabica grader at Alpro UK in Ireland. Welcome, Sierra. Hey, nice to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Well, we're going to be talking about plant-based products today, as well as coffee trends. Before we get started, though, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about your career, how you got started in coffee. I mean, um, so I got started in coffee because I needed to pay the bills. I think that's usually uh, where people start. Um, And this was maybe six, seven years ago when I started university in York. Um, in the north of England, started out in a dinky little deli cafe and then kind of worked my way up from there to barista and then moved cities to Manchester and then London and then worked my way up. So general manager kind of been through most of the front of house roles and then saw the opportunity at Alper UK and, and took the leap. Wow. So what does your day to day role look like? Wherever coffee and plant-based products overlapped uh, in the company is kind of where my expertise comes in. So this can be anywhere from tasting, you know, Arabica to Robusta, tasting commercial coffee to specialty coffee and kind of advising um, strategies from there. Aside from that, it's mainly being a brand ambassador in the, in the community, in the industry, so that people know to approach me for anything plant-based. Great. Really important to have that sort of community approach. Coffee shops are all about community after all. So really, here's a tough question for you. What is a Q grader? Oof. I literally had to look up the dictionary definition for this. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it my best shot. So a Q Arabica grader, or a Q grader for short, is a person who is licensed to objectively judge or rate the quality of green Arabica coffee in both a green and roasted medium. Um, and this is rele- uh, relevant to the SCA specialty coffee kind of grading system. So you rate coffee on a series of points and anything above 80 points is considered specialty coffee and points out of 100 yes points out of 100 there you go okay. points out of a thousand there you go and 80 is the cutoff point formally for specialty correct on based on the sca model and so with that 80 point cut cut off for specialty you know what 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 is typical for what you, we see out there in the high street what would be you know 82 83 where does the really elite sort of Ooh. grades kick in? I mean, I, we're really starting to see a lot of places offer anywhere from 83 and up, which is, which is brilliant to see. And a lot of what we call, at, well, within the company, what we call gold tier coffee shops. So your cream of the crop specialty cafes do tend to offer anywhere from 85 to, you know, even 90s at certain points. So, really? yeah, so that, so that is it's so excellent to see. And I think the aim is to really get people to taste better coffee good coffee and as many people to taste that as possible. So, And I think also we're starting to see and consider, especially in light of you know, the climate crisis and so on and so forth, we're starting to see people's minds really open to tasting different types of coffee. So even if it's, say, um, specialty Robusta, that's a whole other ball game um, that we have to consider that people are really starting to open their minds to. So that's super exciting as well. Now, I was wondering if we could turn to the really important link between plant-based and coffee. Why do you think that plant-based products are so important today? 
So I definitely think um, it was down to, I think last year we saw a lot of social, social justice movements kind of take off. And part of that was, you know, a big push for um, climate sustainability. And I think especially in lockdown, when people were struggling to find kind of their usual diets being met, um, a lot of them did turn to the plant-based world. And since lockdown has, you know, thankfully lifted in most places, people have continued to consume plant-based at a, you know, higher degree. So that's really exciting, I think. And, and in general, at Alpro, we use the term flexitarian, so a okay. largely plant-based diet. Um, you know, you can still consume your meat, you can still consume, well, what we would consider ethical meat, but in general, shifting more, more of your dietary requirements to the plant-based side of the world is, is, um, is a good thing and something that we wholly recommend. So what are the options in plant-based for a cafe? Oh, I mean, you're really seeing so many different alternatives come out today. Um, I think when we started out 40 years ago, Alpro, um, it was really only soya. Um, and then in that time since, we've seen you know, the rise of almond, of coconut, of rice, of cashew, and so on and so forth. Um, oat is one of the newest contenders and most popular contenders on the market. Um, you know, and even today, uh, we see hemp milk. I tasted a potato milk last week um, at, a, at a trade show, and that was, that was really mind-blowing. So yeah, we're really seeing a lot of pushes to create ingredients for a sustainable future. And yeah, that, that's, that's fascinating, honestly. I, I, I don't know where people get these ideas, but it's great. Yeah, I heard people talking about potato milk, so I yeah. can't wait to try that. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So what are some of the challenges for a large-scale organization servicing small businesses in the cafe sector? One thing that I get a lot of at Alpro is the fact that, oh, we're, we're a big company, have, we've been around for yonks, and we've just recently been acquired by Danone, which is also, you know, massive. And the question often surfaces where it's like, okay, are, are big companies really serving the aims of small specialty independence? You know, how can we consider that? And that trickles down really to, to choices that a cafe operator makes. So people often tell me, oh, I don't necessarily purchase Alpro because it's, you can get that anywhere at the supermarket. It's, it's a big company. I don't want to give my money to big companies. And I find that such an interesting discussion because for me, when I, when I joined Alpro and really did my research on it, for, for one, we're a B corporation, which, as I'm sure you know, is such a difficult and, and, and rigorous standard to attain. And it's something that you can only really get better at each year. And also Danone has something like, I think 52% of its companies, of, it, of its portfolio um, all over the world that are B Corp companies as well. So that, to me, that's saying something. And I think um, it, it, it really behooves us to think about how we can scale up the good that we're doing with the backing of bigger companies. And for me, that, that's always something that plays on my mind when I, when I have this discussion with people who are perhaps a little hesitant to try Alpro. That, that's just so interesting to me. How do you think baristas can make the most of plant-based beverages? How to pair plant-based products of coffee, I think, really starts with like a paradigm shift. For a long time, um, we, I think we in the specialty coffee world were quite purist with the way that we approached coffee. And we said, okay, let's only drink it black or as a spro or as a filter, et cetera. Let's not mix with anything. And really the, the push to start mixing, you know, coffee with 
dairy milk was then kind of the next step. And also historically, coffee all over the world in different regions was consumed differently. So, for example, you have Turkish coffee with cardamom or cinnamon or, you know, um, in, in Singapore, where I grew up, we consumed Robusta with condensed milk. So there's so many different applications. And really only today, uh, I think, is, is there this notion that, oh, coffee ha- can taste so many different ways. Um, you know, when you come down, when you bring it down to roast profile, to processing, to, you know, where it's been grown, the terroir, and so on and so forth. And then you combine that with the different flavor profiles of each plant-based ingredient, the permutations are endless. And the, the, the shift, I think, really needs to um, mimic that of other food-related industries. So in cooking or in bartending and mixology, we talk about complementary flavors, but we don't really see that in coffee as much. We talk about how oh, coffee is the star and it needs to shine through whatever medium um, is expressed in, whether that's water or whether that's milk. And I think now it's a little bit different, especially for a multi-ingredient um, portfolio company like Alpro, for us to consider complementary flavor pairings as opposed to neutrality of an ingredient, if that makes sense. Yeah, really interesting. So any examples of what works and what doesn't work? So... Just last week at a trade show, we debuted our coconut and uh, geisha, natural Bolivian geisha Hawaii. Um, and this was uh, supported by Hasbean. Um, and we, we debuted that flavor combination because it, basically to kind of kill two birds with one stone. One, coconut gets, a, a I want to say, not a very nice reputation in mm-hmm. the specialty industry for yep. the ab- above mentioned reasons where... You know, oh, coconut is a very strong and dominating flavor profile, so it tends to mask over the coffee, quote unquote. And then we wanted to challenge that and say, no, it is a flavor in its own right. It's a product in its own right and can stand on its own. And we want to see what what coffees you can pair it with. And we really found that wanting to pair it with also a you know a cream of the crop coffee like a geisha, just to showcase that good coffee and coconut can go together. And it tasted amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And what about oat milk? It's been incredible to see the rise of oat milk over the last three years, really. It's, just, it's, it's been mind-boggling, the growth, and still growing. Are there any properties within oat that make it so interesting? Its popularity, I think, and, and salience really is because of its aforementioned neutrality, its creaminess, um, you know, its ability to pair and its, its versatility really with um, most coffees. That's kind of where I think we need to tread with caution a little bit because then it's like, well, oat has its own flavor profile. It's not necessarily the best of all the plant-based drinks, so to speak. And I think it's not very helpful to think about it that way, but it is what you want to bring out in the beverage. So, Let's turn to sustainability, a really big topic at the moment. And obviously, really, a big part of the Alpro promise and DNA of its brand. How and why are plant-based beverages better for the planet? This is interesting because we actually um, did a segment on on sustainability uh, with you guys earlier this year at the LCF virtual, um, and we spoke to myself and Ludovic spoke to um, Eva de Kaiser, who is our senior sustainability manager in. Uh, Belgium, where our headquarters are. And 
Yeah, we, we generally spoke at length about why it's it's so good for people to consume plant-based or to at least make that shift. And one of the things that stuck out with what Ava said during that chat was um, she said, if you for a year swapped out your dairy latte for a soy or an oat latte, the amount of water you'd be saving is 256 showers in a year. So say an eight minute shower, 256 showers in a year or 1,667 toilet flushes. Wow. In a year, if you made that simple change. So, you know, and, and with soya and with oat, like uh, they do tend to very closely mimic that of dairy and, you know, mm. the, the, the taste profile of dairy. So it's not that difficult a swap to make to benefit the planet. Wow. And consumers seem to be embracing it. Are there other reasons why one would want non-dairy plant-based beverages in your coffee? Yeah, I mean, it, it, a lot of it concerns, I think, the, again, like I said, the, the mindset shift. I think we used to call them alternatives, whereas now I think they, they stand as products in their own right. And there's a variety of reasons why people would choose to consume, um, you know, plant-based products. Um, you want to consider, for example, um, function or seasonality. So we find that, for example, coconut milk tends to be super popular in the summer. So in your cold brews and so on and so forth, a bit of that, you know, tropical exotic uh, flavor profile. And in the winter, if you've ever had a coconut hot chocolate, like, you know, you can imagine that's why it's so indulgent and why people, you know, really gravitate towards that flavor profile during that time. You would also consider dietary requirements. So in the past, I think it used to be very needs-based. So when people consumed soya as an alternative way back in the day to dairy, it was really because they had to. Um, Whereas now I think the the language and the dialogue surrounding plant-based products has shifted so much that people are actually doing that uh, based on preferences. And that's, you know, and that's completely legitimate as well. At a cafe level, what do cafe operators and hospitality professionals need to consider when working with plant-based beverages? So this is a lot to unpack. And we're really only starting to scratch the surface of it because of, of this mindset change that I've spoken about. We need to start thinking about how each of these different ingredients stand on their own and how they pair with different coffees that you might bring into your cafe. So some of the big rules of thumb that that I would consider would be try to get your coffee roasted as early as possible and to give it ample resting time. Um, This is for, you know, roasters to consider when you do want to deliver to, you know, your your cafe clients who might have a strong plant-based offering. And this is because I think coffee tends to work a little better when it's degassed more, and then plant-based tends to work a little bit better in that medium. So how many days would you recommend typically for a fresh roasted coffee should you wait from roasting day to consumption for plant-based beverages? So for, for espresso with dairy, I would say it's probably about 10 days. Um, mm-hmm. But then for uh, plant-based, I'd probably say stretch it to two weeks. So okay. an extra four days of yep. rest, essentially. In general, I do uh, try to recommend blends and perhaps a more developed roast profile as well. And this is because you're better able to, I think, from a seasonality point of view, guarantee a, a flavor profile that is constant throughout the year. And also in terms of acidity, we do tend to recommend low acidity coffees if you can get your hands on them. Or again, developing that roast so that more sugars appear in, in your coffee. 
And I think it really depends what you're trying to play up with the beverage and the coffee. So if you were trying to enhance the acidity of a coffee, you know, put some mind to, to which plant-based alternative can best do that. If you wanted the drink to be balanced, for example, if your coffee is quite acidic, you'd want something to tone that down a little bit. So I would probably say your soya, which tends to come across more neutral and a little bit more vegetal. So yeah, it really depends on what drinks you're trying to curate. A couple other things to consider um, would be your customer demographic. So again, what we spoke about with function and seasonality. So who tends to frequent your cafes during this time? Is it families? Is it older folks? Is it younger folks, etc.? Dietary requirements. One big thing that we're noticing is also age. So we noticed that, at least within Alpro, historically, the older and more salient ingredients like um, coconut and soya tend to be favored by those who are slightly older. And then oat and almond are the ones that, you know, younger people tend to gravitate towards for either health reasons or, you know, trendy reasons, etc. And then also stuff like the location of your cafe, the community surrounding it, which then influences your, your pricing as well. And that's something to consider. I have this great example, and I hadn't even considered this before. Um, about a month ago, I met with a customer and she mentioned, you know, we were talking about um, her offering plant-based products in her cafe. And she mentioned that one of her cafes was actually in quite a rural farming community. And, you know, she kind of had to balance the needs of, of, of farmers, particularly dairy farmers in the area, and, and, and really consider how best to approach that and to, to balance the needs of her community. And just being sensitive to that, I think, is super important. Who, you know, who are the people that you're serving day in and day out? So, so what are your predictions for new plant-based products? What do you think the future is going to be? I mean, the competition is insane right now. I, like, you're, you're really starting to see this fear of plant-based, you know, the plant-based industry really heating up. And that's good. That's a good thing. And it really shows that the demand for those products is also rising. And again, that mindset really needs to shift to really start to respect the, the integrity of plant-based products as a product in their own right. The terminology needs to shift. Um, the understanding needs to shift. And then once we start pairing that with coffee, which we respect as a product in its own right, with its processing, its you know, roast profiles, et cetera, et cetera, if we can merge those two nuances together, um, I think we're really going to unlock a whole different dimension of flavor. And any specific plant-based products you think are going to have a bright future? I feel like I'm personally seeing a new oat product coming out every week, you know, and that, that competition is really heating up. And I think that's so exciting. That's probably going to take off in the you next think decade still or got so. Some, lots, lots, it's got legs. Lots, yeah, lots of legs. Absolutely. Well, that's a great way to finish off. Thanks, Sierra, for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. And that's all for today's UK Coffee Week podcast. To support and find out more, please head to ukcoffeeweek.com.